listening to the cannabis hangout two girls one bowl and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana my name is brandon and my name is saba we will be connecting with the community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people sharing stories from medical marijuana patients and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths so we invite you to come roll with us while we break break it all down. down everyone welcome back to another episode i'm brannon and i'm saba and we are your hosts of the cannabis hangout on today's episode we have the pleasure of speaking with the soil guru val and bodhi with environmentals which focuses on soil production and soil quality production we're excited to learn from him today so please welcome valen to the cannabis hangout hey valen how's it going how's it going thank you so much for being here with us today my pleasure so let's just get started from the beginning will you tell us where your cannabis journey first began please oh boy i'm from the bahamas so that's really where it began um i grew up around the plant um grew up around the consumption of the plant more on a recreational basis not more medicinal Um, The medicinal side really came to me um, when I moved to the U.S. in 2015 for college, 2013, sorry, for college, but it really came or impacted me when I moved here to ORU, well, not here, in Tulsa to ORU to play soccer. Um, I had, like I said, prior to that, I was, you know, more recreational use than anything. Obviously couldn't smoke during the season or consume during the season. Um, so like that cut down a lot of my usage. Um, and then I had a really bad concussion. Um, I was knocked unconscious by a soccer goal. Um, and the wind blew over, blew it over and it knocked me in the back of my head and knocked me unconscious, super scary situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and they then prescribed me shoots tons of medication. Like I'm talking Adderall, Percocet. Mm -hmm. I had every, I, I had access to anything. Um, yeah. Because I had um, had issues like concentrating, focusing, all that. Cr- everything that comes with a concussion, I probably had it all. Um, on a concussion scales out of 50, I had a 49 when they okay. first did my test. So if that gives oh, you an wow. idea. Wow. So like I I started taking the prescription drugs yeah. as the doctor directed. And okay. I just hated how it made me feel. You know, like I felt super reliant on Adderall. Like, I mean, mm. I and I had already missed, you know shoots a couple of days of school and i was all i was taking uh chemistry chem two actually so like i was yeah i was a junior (laughs) so like yeah no it was like a do or die situation like i can't fail any classes type of deals like i just was like stressed all over and then i was like man i gotta there's gotta be a different way Mm -hmm. basically um so then i did my research you know as a scientist like researching is number one with anything like you tell me anything not that i don't believe you i just go and research again for validation essentially um so i did that i started you know googling first and then i quickly led to me realizing obviously i was in college so google's not the best thing to use um so i then went to google scholar and looked for published articles on on things of that nature um, then came to find out that's what a lot of NFL players use. You know, that was their their way of getting over concussions to get back on the field quickly. It wasn't more so of a recreation. People look at it from a recreation standpoint. Um, but, you know, like that's where I was like, man, I'm going to try this. Like I've smoked weed before. Okay. I've consumed cannabis before, so it can't be much different. So did you consume it back home for the first time or was Yeah, it- yeah, no, no. Okay. I the first time I smoked, I was probably 17, 18. Okay. Somewhere around there, probably younger. I honestly don't remember because it was almost like a part of a way of life in the Bahamas. Yeah. Like it's not legal. Right. But it's still like part a way of, of life. Yeah, I okay. guess you can say that for a lack of better word. And you know, I grew up in one of the lesser communities if Mm -hmm. you will um so like you know like i was exposed to it at an early age you know not in a negative way because obviously i mean i got around you it was like positive right it was always a positive Mm -hmm. thing you know like you know my uncle uses it for appetite and Mm -hmm. and he just has 
an issue like his stomach has an issue so he has okay. indigestion a lot okay so it's hard for him to to work up an appetite okay, essentially yeah. you know so like i grew up around him you know so he would we would work all day and not even eat mm-hmm. and then five o'clock we were like wait a minute why do i feel so terrible mm-hmm. oh crap we didn't eat because we yeah. were working all day mm-hmm. yeah you know so that's that's really where where the where it impacted me and like my journey with the plant essentially and mm-hmm. obviously like i grew up outside barefoot mm-hmm. You know, running around in shorts, no shirt on. Literally what you would depict as an island kid. (laughs) Literally. That's so fun. Um, That's how I grew up. And so just just growing up that way, I was always outside, always in tune with nature, you know, building tree houses with my cousins. And, you know, like, I mean, at one point we had a freaking couch and a tree. (laughs) You know, like we we had some pretty cool uh, uh, tree houses. But yeah, so that's that's really where I came from and where the where the plant has impacted me and where the plant has brought me and, and having that connection with nature, mm-hmm. that's where my degree came from. You okay. know, like it go, I started environmental science with my degree. Okay. Then I quickly realized, wait a minute, there's a lot of science involved. Like I would have ta- had to take in Chem 3. Mm. I would have had to take in Environmental Science 3 as well. I was going to take a lot of upper level classes okay. that I really didn't want to take because it required a lot more lab time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, even my degree... I I spent probably over 50 hours in the lab. Okay. Easily. Wow. So whenever you were researching though like for like your injury and stuff, did you start like consuming? Yeah, I like, smoked that... breakfast, lunch and dinner. Okay. I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. I was literally in my dorm room in pitch black. Mm. So obviously I wouldn't smoke in my dorm room because I went yeah. to ORU, we but, couldn't consume. Yeah. Like if my coach heard this, he would probably laugh. Yeah. Um because he knew I smoked. He was like, yeah. "Listen, like you can't smoke." Like please don't, you're going to hurt the team. I was like, I understand. I played college sports Mm -hmm. before I got here. Mm -hmm. So like I understood it was for the greater betterment of the team. Mm -hmm. Did I love smoking? Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, like now I I really don't because, you know, my wife's the scent really just makes her nauseous. So I try not to, you know, Mm -hmm. at at the best of my convenience. Um, So yeah, like that's where I was like, listen, this, something's got to give. Yeah. So I just took that step and I was a senior. So I was like, man, if the NCAA catches me, then what am I going to lose? Yeah. Like I'm about to be in my last year. Yeah. Am I going to not do consume cannabis and just stick to the medication and be back in 14 yeah. days mm-hmm. or potentially be back sooner? Yeah. In a better state of mind, if you will. Right. So did you stop taking all of oh, the prescriptions? On, on just, the spot. And then on the I literally dove in. I didn't because it was and it was for me, it was easier to dive in because I had have used cannabis before. Right. So you that probably made it a little bit you, easier you on me. It. Right. Yeah, because yeah, and that's a big mm-hmm. thing. Like uh, yeah. society doesn't it's the the picture and the image that cannabis has is mm-hmm. so bad because of what society and what the powers that be made it out to be yeah you know because they realize like it's a plant this was here before you and i Mm -hmm. it's going to be here when all of us die Mm -hmm. when humanity goes away if we ever do Mm -hmm. it's still going to be here it's going to grow you see what i'm saying so like they realize and i'm history if you look at the history it used to be legal Mm-hmm. You know, the alcohol prohibition happened and they realized, wait a minute, we can't control this plant, yeah. but we can control a substance. So yeah. let's make alcohol illegal for 21 and under. And let's let's make this thing the bad, the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Hence schedule oneing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so like and that's where and then the, obviously, obviously during that time, there's such little information on the plant. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're automatically going to refrain away from something you know nothing about. Right. Yeah. You're just saying it'll hurt the team. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Because I'm helping myself exactly. feel to be better yeah. to get back on the so field. So like with me, yeah. it was like a no brainer. Yeah. Essentially, I was like, shoots, these drugs you, make you didn't me feel, feel bad. Like you were doing something bad. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, and it I wasn't legal in Oklahoma as yet. Yeah. I, that was 2017, I think it was. I graduated 2018. So that was 2017. Yeah, you were doing what you had yeah. to do for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, soccer is going to come and go. You yeah. know, it, there was a point, there is a point in time where that's going to stop. Yeah, but your body right. is forever. You so like you saying? have to take care of I have of to your preserve it now. no matter exactly. what. Cuz the team isn't going to be oh, the team also isn't going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. Like but you and yourself are going to be there and so you have to take care of you in the entirety, especially when it comes to your brain. The most important <laughs> organ if you want to say, yeah. you know, in your body. So like, you know, for me that that was it. You know, yeah. that was mm-hmm. my moment and I've seen it work. I mean, in other situations. But in terms of personal, that's where my journey 
essentially took off with mm -hmm. the plan because I trusted it a lot more. I essentially trusted my life. You know, yeah. my career was based on doing that. Mm -hmm. I played, quit taking the, the medication and I was on the field. The doctor told me I wouldn't be able to get back on the field or in class until 14 days. Wow. I was back in class being a normal citizen, basically, mm -hmm. in seven, on day eight, I was wow. able to go and, because I had to take a test every two days because uh -huh. they were monitoring me. Like, literally, I had to walk to the trainer and take a test every two days. Mm -hmm. And she literally just watched my numbers drop and drop and drop. Wow. So you had to get to a anything under a 12, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. then you're considered, quote, unquote, normal. Okay. Um, then I can go back to class and do daily activities mm -hmm. I would have to be below an eight or a seven or something like that to be able to practice again. Okay. So like by day eight, by day 10, I was back in practice. Wow. And like day seven, the doctor came and did my, my mm -hmm. test because seven days the doctor does the test and every other test in between the trainer does. Okay. Um, so day seven he came and... And I told my trainer, I was mm -hmm. like, hey, like, I won't say her name, but I told her, I was like, hey, like, I'm not going to take these medication, this medication. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this. And she's like, well, you didn't tell me that because I can lose my license. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't say that. But this is, I'm letting you know. Yeah. You know, like, heart to heart, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. um, she was like, all right, if, you know, I can't tell you what to do. Yeah. So that's that's literally how it happened. And, and I did it and the doctor came in, did the test and she was behind him uh -huh. because I was wearing Oakley's. They made some special Oakley's for me. They were not, not polarized. They were a lot more light filtering. So like barely letting light in. And I used to walk around campus like high, mm -hmm. like my eyes were bloodshot red. Yeah. Um, she knew exactly what was going on. So like my doctor was in the front of me taking the giving me the test and she's behind and he was like, man, these numbers, you sure you feel okay? And I'm like, I'm not lying. He was like, well, we're mm -hmm. going to have to do the test again just to confirm mm -hmm. before I can release you. Mm -hmm. I was like, God damn it. I feel good. Like, I'm good. I promise you I'm good. And he was like, well, let's just, we have to do it. You know, like I can lose my license type of deal. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, all right. So we did it again later that day. And he was like, yeah, you're tomorrow you can go to class tomorrow morning and if you feel you know if light you're sensitive or anything just go back to your dorm room and I from then I was fine he did my test on day nine because the trainer said I was fine and then I was back in practice day 10. Wow. So but yeah it that's how it impacted me you know and that's the yeah. journey I guess you can say with the plant. Yeah that's amazing. Okay, let's pause for a minute and talk about Oklahoma's grassroots cannabis publication, Herbage Magazine. They are in over 500 dispensaries statewide, providing cannabis education and supporting and highlighting the local communities. For more information, visit HerbageMag.com. That's H-E-R-B-A-G-E-M-A-G.com. Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Yes, and with being business owners ourselves, we understand what it's like pretty well, I think. With BIC Legal, they practice in areas like family law, estate planning, business litigation, and review and draft contracts for your company while assisting in licensing applications, and so much more. And with the Oklahoma cannabis industry thriving, the rules and regulations related to cannabis are quite strict. Jade Pebworth with BIC Legal, she really enjoys working with companies from the ground up. So if you're looking for good legal help in Oklahoma, she's your girl. Let's get back to today's episode. So in your own words, to flip the script a little, will you tell us, Valen, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay, I, I'm an environmental scientist primarily. Cool. That's so cool to say. <laughs> right. But secondary. Like light flex. <laughs> yeah, literally. And secondary, which is what I really pursue a lot more as a soil scientist, if you say. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, environmental science can go it's such a broad spectrum. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, ridiculously broad spectrum. And... You know, so under that umbrella, you, you've got to focus on something, mm -hmm. you know, so that's where my focus is, is on soil, you know, soil quality, but also keeping sustainability in mind, because mm -hmm. that's what my degree is in global environmental sustainability. Um, so like 
you know, I look at things from such more of a worldview mm -hmm. rather than a societal view, I guess you can say. Yeah. Um, or a more smaller or micro view versus micro versus macro yeah. type of situation. Um, so like everything I do, I try to make sure it's for the betterment betterment of something long term. I was about to say, I feel like you have more long term mentality and a lot of people normal people just because we get so caught up in like day-to-day -day society mm -hmm. just how easiest way to do things. easiest way mm -hmm. um we don't think about long term we're very short-term thinkers very much so and society i mean I, I this is the term i've always used it's just a microwave society yeah you know like we want things to happen right now mm -hmm. and once we're done with it it goes in the trash you know yeah. and and that's the exact opposite of sustainability that's the exact opposite of us preserving mother earth mm -hmm. from where we've deteriorated already like i mean when i was in college and i was doing like i had some research papers and stuff that we were reading up on like earth is screwed yeah like that's the sad reality mm -hmm. like we've done so much as humans mm -hmm. to completely destroy mother earth like there's no coming back yeah like there's systems that we've screwed up just simple systems in nature mm -hmm. that we've completely screwed up and like there's no fixing it we can only slow down because we're so deep in the hole like it it's just not there's there's no like sustainability they teach you like when i was in college like it's it's a goal mm -hmm. it's like you you want to be a perfect person who doesn't want to be the perfect person but you're never going to be yeah you know so it's sort of kind of understanding that like you it's impossible it's almost like in school in university they said it's an impossible goal because you'll never be 100% sustainable. Yeah. No matter who you are. I don't mm -hmm. care how off grid you go, you will always be sustainable on something because if you're off grid and you need electricity, what created that solar panel? Fossil fuels had to run a machine yeah. or a factory to produce that. So like mm -hmm. it's a goal and it's something that I chase daily, you know? Like that's why I have animals. You know, my I don't put any food waste in my trash. I send only things that need to go to the landfill to the landfill, which in any nothing should have to, but there are some things that you as an individual can't dispose of. Yeah. So like you have to send them to the landfill in hopes that the landfill does its job mm -hmm. to dispose of it, you know? So like, Properly. right. So like it's, it's, like I said, it's just a goal that you can chase mm -hmm. and be as best as you can. It's same, same exact same way of you, you as a person. Yeah. You know, you want to be the best version of you that you can be for you. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do that, you'll be, there's no way you can be the best friend. There's no way you can be the best business partner. There's no way you can be the best wife, husband, whatever it is that you're doing. So like, that's like sustainability is really where I come from. You know, like that's where I'm rooted. Every decision that I make, like my company's soil recipes, like they are hundred percent sustainable. There's all renewable products that I use mm -hmm. for that reason. You know, like my trash, I recycle all my trash. I probably recycle, if I remember by numbers, I recycle over 90% of my, my waste. Wow. So like net zero is the goal. Yeah. But until I get there, I'm mm -hmm. going to do the best that I can. You yeah. know, all my plastic and paper, I recycle everything. Mm -hmm. You know, so soil that drops on the floor, I put into my, my veggie garden, you know, type of deal. So yes. there's never truly no waste. Yeah. Um, just things that I, get, and I can't control, essentially. Yes. Wow. Okay. So... With soil, it's something that can be overlooked by the everyday person, Valen, which is why it's we know it's important. And while you're here telling us about it, but what can you s elaborate why our soil is so important and valuable when it comes to growing like our cannabis and our food? Okay, you I've I said this at at um, Alpaca Palooza, but yes. <laughs> you, we come from the soil. We come from the dirt. And I'm, I hate to say this, and it's going to sound real religious of me, um, but from dust you came and dust you shall return. Dust is soil. That's the ground. That's where you came from. That's why you can take your shoes off in some places and feel rooted, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, like, I firmly believe in grounding Yes. Um, that's going to make me sound hippie, but I don't really no, care. I, 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 I agree. Yeah. So, you know, so I like agree. I'm a person that I, I wear Crocs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so like literally like hey. I have on, you see my shoes are off. Yes. Like I just, <laughs> I, I, I can't do it. I just feel like my feet suffocate. But yeah, so like that's the important part. So if we can continue to steward that 
and not use that, that's the difference right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you never want to use something. If you're using it, there's going to come a point in time where that use is going to come to an end. Mm-hmm. When it comes to an end, that where that's where trash comes in. You dispose of it. So stewarding something is completely different because stewarding, like you said earlier, it's a long-term mentality type of deal. You know, like, yes, this soil is going to grow my first crop, but I'm also thinking about how I can make this soil the best for my 100th crop. Right. You know, so I'm thinking long term Mm -hmm. all the time. Like, I mean, I go to customers and grow. I've got a customer right now, their entire facility, they bought soil from me last year. Mm -hmm. They paid probably $80,000 for soil that they're still growing in that exact same soil. Wow. Nine runs later. Wow. So can you tell us what soil consulting looks like? Like as you were kind of saying your customers. So like, like, so like a customer. So like for instance, if if some people, not everyone wants to take that leap essentially mm-hmm. into, because it's a system. You have to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like cocoa or any inert media that you would use and feed nutrients because you are, you're feeding the plant. In a soil system, you're not feeding the plant. Mm-hmm. You're almost never feeding the plant. You're feeding the soil. You're so in an organic system, you have plant microbes in between their rhizosphere and all that fun stuff. And then from the microbes, you have your actual nutrients, whatever you use as nutrients. So dry amendments, all that good stuff. And then you have your actual structure of your soil in which all of that lives. Um, So like with me, I if there's a customer that wants to try and keep their soil and that's a big thing, like. I try to meet the customer where they are. Okay. You know, like I'm not going to come in and say, hey, like you need to stop doing this and you need to do this, 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 this. Like yeah. I'm not coming in to try and change anything because that's the exact opposite of efficiency. Yeah. Um. So and sustainability, obviously. So like why do that? You know, mm-hmm. like if you're already growing in soil, OK, if you tell me what soil you're using, it can give me an idea of what type of soil structure you have. Mm-hmm. From doing that, I can then make decisions on your amend- amendments, you know, because I, if you you have compaction, I want to try and amend with things that are going to help with aeration so you don't continue to have compaction, you know. So there's it's just so many moving parts that you, you have to, like, look at, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just learning the system, that's the biggest part. If you learn the system, it can save you tons of money. Yeah. Like, I had a customer tell me his cost um, per plant is down to, like, six bucks. Wow. Like, what is, I don't know what, like, so, like, is. average, I don't know what it is for, like, hydroponic growing or okay. for nutrients, but, like, like put this into perspective. One plant, on average, a, a good run probably pulls three ounces off of one plant, mm-hmm. you know, five week, four week veg, eight week flower. But you now have to buy in a nutrient setting. So, and again, I'm nothing I say is against yes. nutrients and cocoa, and mm-hmm. there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. Um, I just don't choose those methods because to me, they're not sustainable. Yeah. That's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can grow in it, like if there was a grow that I'm taking over and they don't want to run soil and they're paying me a pretty penny to do it, I'll run it in cocoa with nutrients and all that good stuff. But that's a bunch of money you do not need to spend. Right. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So like instead of your cost, again, I don't know what it is cost per plant, but let's say that plant pulls three ounces. You paid $6 plus electricity and labor. Okay. To make three ounces. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So put that into perspective, cost per pound, 16 pounds, 16 ounces in a pound. You do the math on that. Yeah. You know, your cost per pound. I mean, I've got customers cost per pound is at 400 bucks. Okay. So you can yeah. afford to sell flour at 800 bucks. Yeah. And you make know? some money. Otherwise, you're losing Otherwise, money you're time. losing money. So for small mom and pops, it's a lot harder oh, yes. because they're pulling less. Obviously, so smaller much, rooms, so much less easier plants, for them. but so much... The overhead, obviously, the bigger the the bigger the space, the bigger the overhead. Exactly. But the overhead for cannabis with lights and all air that stuff. and exactly. all Exactly, you're already so paying so yeah. much money for your environment it's going from growing indoor. Five days a year, no matter never what. stops. You know, like indoor cultivation. And again, people are gonna look at me weird for this, but indoor cultivation is not sustainable. Yeah. There's nothing sustainable about indoor cultivation. Well, and we've heard we've heard two or three people come on here and talk about the runoff from indoor mm-hmm. grows <laughs> and that's even. something that and that that's what you saying they're not sustainable that's the first thing right. that pops into Absolutely. my mind it's and that's because people aren't cognizant of the runoff mm-hmm. or like i that's not something that i had thought of but as soon as somebody said it i was like 
oh shit, that makes sense. There has to be some sort of runoff from all of this. And like people just aren't aware and they won't become aware until it's, you know, a lot further down. And then that goes right for them. Yeah. And then that goes right back to you even saying about like how we've damaged the earth so Mm -hmm. much with like things like that and not thinking about it. Like in theory, they're doing a great thing by growing a plant that's killing people. Right. But there's a price, a bigger price. Yeah. Because there's it, always going to be a price, mm-hmm. no and matter it, what. And it's more like overview thinking versus like super like fine comb thinking. Yep. You know? Yep. And you have to look at things to be sustainable. You have to look in every aspect. Mm-hmm. Take the whole, mm-hmm. break that into quarters, take those quarters, break those into quarters. Yeah. Like I read this book by... Uh, trying to remember the guy's name, but he is like a very successful businessman out of Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, He owns a big restaurant supply chain, like multi, almost probably a billionaire. And he was like, you're not going to be better in life or in business unless you always find that 5%. Yeah. You're never going to be 100% Mm -hmm. perfect. Like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, your business is never going to be 100% efficient. There's always going to be something as simple as your guys' podcast. There's Mm -hmm. always something that you can do to make your life more efficient, to make your company more efficient. Mm -hmm. You spend less Mm -hmm. money. A penny saved is a penny earned. Yes. Essentially. So what you always have to do is find that 5%. And he, I do it and apply it to my life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I look always trying to be better like i'm a husband i'm i I wear so many hats it's tough to keep track of everything i'm a husband i have two kids i have a soil company i've got animals like pigs goats Mm -hmm. chickens dogs four dogs do you live on like several acres of land? yeah i live on 15 acres okay cool cool. okay yeah so you guys can come out there sometime um and then so like i i try to be a sustainable like i live in a tiny home yeah like we built out a reefer a reefer trailer very cool um and we've been living in that for going on two years this year so hopefully we can build this year um, but yeah, so like I don't owe the bank for where I live. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I oh, pay my, big pop, deal. yeah, I yeah. pay my electric bill. That's it. You know, I have yeah, a well. Amazing. Yeah. Like literally I grow, well, this year I'm going to be able to grow my own food. Last year I did, but so it was exciting. so hot. Like I, mm. I, I didn't have my well done. So like just feeding the plants was just miserable. Was like, like, yeah, yeah was I had the water every single day, yeah. veggie garden and cannabis garden. Like it's it was too just, much. it's too much. <laughs> Where at? In Oklahoma? Uh, Stroud. Okay. okay yeah. Cool. So like, you know, like I, and that's why I picked Stroud, you know, again, going back to efficiency, mm-hmm. you know, like I own a soil company. I want to be able to contact, tap into both markets, yeah. you know, so I can shoot to Tulsa. In so why did you pick Stroud? Location. The location? Mm-hmm. Is it, is I can it shoot in to Oka- it's smack in between OKC and Tulsa. Okay. So I can shoot either way. You know, if I got to go to Texas, it's three and a half hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I got to go to Joplin, to Missouri, mm-hmm. it's two hours, mm-hmm. two and a half hours. Yeah. You know, it's just efficiency. Is, it, it just made more sense for me. And then obviously I can be away from humans. Yeah, right. Like that's my biggest thing, you know, yeah. being able to raise my girls how I want to raise I them. I love that. Yeah. I would you love know, to like, see your little setup That's out there. the key. Yeah. Whenever you guys are ready, yeah. you can yeah. come out there. It's We'd not far that. from here. Cool. So um, yeah. what would you say? What's a... Just to kind of like break it down, I know we've been talking about like the importance of, you know, good soil. What's the significance of like your soil compared to something someone could buy that would be considered clean from like Lowe's or somewhere? So, oh boy. Just say it. Nothing against, (laughs) nothing against Lowe's. I love Lowe's. I'm going there when I leave here. Um, (laughs) But you're not going to find the best for you there and why will you say like why is that I yes feel- absolutely absolutely I, i'm not gonna leave that there because i have my parents too who like to put miracle grow in oh, their man, stuff and heart. they like are they do it for like i guess affordability it's cheaper even, yes but like it kills me because i don't know how to like yeah how to like, how oh, to work can, with it can we please just like be on the same page yeah no it's <laughs> you know? tough so like a lot of mediums <laughs> like that are like inert <laughs> Like they're not living. There's no delivery of, there's no nutrient delivery system, essentially. There's nothing to, so microbes and all that good stuff in soil is what, that's why you don't have to be as strict on IPM versus hydroponic. Hydroponic, the plants are weaker. It's literally, this is the best analogy I've thought of to date. Feeding a baby formula Mm -hmm. or breast milk. Breast milk all the way. 
You see what yeah. I'm saying? That's yeah. a good that's a good analogy. That you see what I'm saying? Break it down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like immunology is gonna be way stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna grow as nature intends. Yeah. That's absolutely. really the bottom line. That's yeah. you know, like babies aren't meant to be fed formula. That was made by man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not of human bodies. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So like that's really the biggest part of difference between my soil and I guess you can say a bag of miracle grow. Like even my base soil. Like mm-hmm. my base soil's 13 bucks a bag for a cubic foot. Mm-hmm. Miracle grows are probably a two cubic foot bag for eight bucks. Mm-hmm. Cost per bag, I'm pretty sure they make that for like a dollar a bag. Yeah. Like their facilities are, yeah. the Monsanto group has money out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, so like, and then they don't care about all that in between. Mm-hmm. You know, like they don't care if you grow a good plant. Mm-hmm. They know it has just enough nutrients for you to have to go and buy their tomato fertilizer blend and this and that and the next. But if you look at that product label, Mm -hmm. the things in there are not, not really good for you. Like literally just take one ingredient on one of them and Google it and see what it says. I feel like that also goes back to like, if you're putting that in your brand, I'm not trying to say this to freak you out, but like, you know, that goes right back to like buying fruits and vegetables from like, walmart target which no offense if you do that Mm -hmm. but like you're not getting the cleanest product because they're using things like that and like ingredients matter so the ingredients that are going into your soil are going right into your body i don't don't either no i don't either but this is going to like what you're saying about you know your family using Mm -hmm. what you put in is what you get out exactly so like even growing you you ideally think that you're growing clean fruits and vegetables and oh instead of buying from the store you know like i'm growing them so they're Mm -hmm. better but like they're is really it? not. Is it? Like, is yeah, it? is it? Mm-hmm. Based on what that, you're, you're that's using. That's what gets under my skin. And yeah. I need, you know. Because then it's like, what's the point? Like, I may as well go to Sprouts or Natural Grocery well, to buy exactly. it. I'm like, I'm going to have my own bit of a garden, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a garden. Do not tell me. Like, you want vegetables. to have your stuff. You guys can be poisoned. Right. Yeah. You can, you can feed yourself that bad stuff. <laughs> I'm the so, so But that's, up. I mean, that's the perspective, though. I know. Yeah. Like you, I mean, and it real. sucks that you have to take that perspective. <laughs> yeah. And because it goes back to thinking, like, that just proves that the person or the the company or the industry. I'm going to take it from a macro level. The industry is coin-operated. You know, like, there's 80% of the people in this industry are coin-operated. And not to say don't be, because you have to be to an extent. You have to survive. Mm -hmm. You know, so, like, with me, and people tell me, why don't you charge for consulting? And I'm like, I do, but if you're using my product, that's a different situation. You yeah. know, like you don't have to pay me for SOPs if you're growing in my soil. That's stupid. Yeah. That's why am I going to whack you over the head twice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For no reason. Yeah. Just yeah. to make a couple dollars. Okay. Right. I mean, it's cool of you though. But yeah. it's not sustainable long term. Right. But right. for you or for me, like think about it. If yeah. you, you say, oh, I have an issue. I'm not going to think this through. It costs me 75 bucks to get Valen to come out here and tell me what's wrong. And then that's, we're done. Mm-hmm. Versus taking the time and learning the system, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't want to come out to your grow every day. No, I've got two grows that I run Mm -hmm. a soil company, my grow and now about to be an organic farm. I don't, you know, like I don't want to if I don't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. it saves you money. It saves me money. Yes, Essentially, you know, so like that's I tell people all the time, like it's just a sustainable relationship. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Both parties have to benefit for it to be sustainable. Your friendship or your business relationship will never sustain if you both aren't getting a positive from the interaction. Because you're giving. Mm -hmm. But if you're getting nothing in return, it goes back to soil. If Mm -hmm. there's no cation exchange, there's no nutrient being given. Mm -hmm. There's no feeding the plant. Yeah, you know, yeah. so like, again, I can get very, very nerdy on soil yeah. and then I can be a little bit more superficial. But in, to get back to your question, the difference is it's you buy my soil. It's a living ecosystem and you have to treat it as that, you know, beneficial, in, beneficial microbes, beneficial insects. I mean, this is all things that we have around us. Yeah. You know, like microorganisms, you don't have to go to the store and buy, you know, a microbial supplement. Mm-hmm. You have microbes around you. You've got IMO everywhere. You see mycelium growing on leaves. That's IMO. You take, you put cooked rice next to it Mm -hmm. and it'll culture the microbes for you. You take that rice, put it into brown sugar, it ferments and gives you IMO2. Mm -hmm. Use that IMO2 to inoculate your soil. 
Interesting. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, so like yeah. you just made mm. your own nutrient from nothing. Yeah. You know, and that's practices that I do on a commercial yeah. scale. Like I we don't you. do anything like literally we use trium nutrients from my company, which is all organic amendments, fish bone meal, bone meal, things that you find as a mite, things that you find in nature. There's nothing. It's a byproduct of most fish bone meal is just grounded up fish mm-hmm. yeah. and dried. You know, yeah. blood meal is eggs, blood. It's mm-hmm. pork blood, mm-hmm. you know? So like these, if you use byproducts of it, that's sustainability. That's what sustainability is. Mm-hmm. What kills me the most is people market things as organic and you search the first ingredient yeah. on the list and you it reads inorganic compound. Yeah, right. So how are you marketing this sulfate to me as organic, but sulfate itself is not an organic compound? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at it in chemistry. It's literally not an organic compound. There were two things that came together to make a certain sulfate, phosphate, that mm-hmm. has sulfur in it. Sulfate, it's a byproduct so of an inorganic compound. So if yeah. you're putting an inorganic compound into your soil and then you're telling me it's organic, how does that work? Right, yeah. I know, yeah. You yeah. see what I'm saying? No, yeah. I see yeah. soil companies right. market it all the time. Yeah. And I'm not going to call them out, but it's, it's the reality. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, so now that you're... You're a can. Ooh, now that you're a cannabis grower, mm-hmm. what's the process look like when it comes to growing your own flower for you? Like you consult and you see mm-hmm. a lot of these other people grow, but like, how does Valen do it? Um, I do it as simple as I can because I it's me. I'm a one man band type of situation. Mm-hmm. You know the cult, the facility that I run. It's not only me. I have people that the owner, my partners, mm-hmm. they help with the defoliation and anything from a clone like a fresh clone to Mm -hmm. harvest i deal with yeah everything else is their job you know the defoliating they come in and help me do that you know they're like it's literally the perfect relationship if you want to say um shout out to my team um they know who they are Mm -hmm. but um yeah so like that's the way i do it i mean we water i water two three times a week okay ask a cocoa grower who waters three times a week none of them yeah you can't and they run it. They water to runoff. I water literally to the exact saturation of my soil. Okay. So like that's another thing. Numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. You know. So if I know I built my soil, so I know the saturation point of my soil, mm-hmm. five to eight percent of the soil's volume in water. So I don't want to go over that because now I'm going to leach my nutrients out of my living soil. Yeah. So that's why I know that base saturation. I can go off of that base saturation of five to eight percent. We're growing five gallon pots. Five mm-hmm. to eight percent of that is a thousand milliliters. Yeah. So every time I water, they get a thousand milliliters, whether mm-hmm. it's a thousand milliliters or pot per pot of tea, because mm-hmm. I brew one, a tea weekly. Okay. So I give a tea once a week and I can tell everybody my SOPs. I don't care. Yeah. I want you to take them. Yeah. I want you to try them. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So like I give that tea once a week, earthworm castings, my company's dry nutrient, compost and water mm-hmm. and molasses. That's it. Then I add a little bit of IMO in there before I apply it. And then that's a done deal. Then my two days later, I give a water and microbial supplement, uh, Wind River Microbes. Mm-hmm. It's a company here in Oklahoma. Um, their microbes are really special because they're basically they've basically handpicked the microbes that are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, why they chose those ones? Because they can horizontal gene transfer. Um, not every microbe can do that. So these microbes are being able to horizontal gene transfer if there needs to be more because certain microbes unlock certain things. So you are a microbe and you unlock phosphorus. You do nitrogen and I do potassium. But there's times where the plant won't need nitrogen in flower. Not saying that nitrogen isn't present, but the plant lets off sugars. The microbes, that's how they communicate, is through sugar. Mm-hmm. The plant lets off sugars in, its, in the root system in the rhizosphere. The microbes eat the sugar. That's where the whole molasses makes your bud sweeter deal comes from. Like, it's not molasses. Molasses as a molecule is too big for the plant to transport. Like, if you look at it on a molecular level, Mm -hmm. it literally is too big for the plant to transport. So if it is, then why are people marketing and saying molasses makes the bud sweeter? That's not what it does. It gives the microbes what they want, food, Mm -hmm. so that they can feed your plant. You know, so that's how they communicate. So, like, that's what I do, that microbial supplement. And then the third watering is just water. Mm -hmm. And then I let them starve, essentially, for three days. I get not more of a dry... It's not a dry back because you don't want the medium to get dry. 
you let it three days, they're hungry because, and they're not drooping because they have a microbial yeah. life in there to help them sustain. Uh-huh. You know, and the soil is not 100% dry. I can't remember what it, the exact number of, of moisture content, but you basically let it get down to probably 35%. And then you go ahead and give it more water because you don't want it to get dry. Microbes, 80% about, this isn't, this has been proven um, that 80% of microbes come out of dormancy. So like if my soil was to dry out and that's just estimated, that's not a concrete, you may get 60% of them come out of dormancy, you know? So like, that's why you've got to know those moving parts to be able to work with those moving parts. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like if my soil ever dries out for whatever reason, I'm not able to get to the grow. I know that next watering has to be microbes mm-hmm. because I want to make sure that that population does not go down. I want to make sure the diversity is there all the time because the plants will take what they want when they need it. When microbes are present, microbes and nutrients obviously are present, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So like that's, that's really what I do. That's my SOP. And it's very simple. I don't do anything else, nothing fancy. Um, I roughly use probably a plant per square foot is, yeah. is usually what I try to do depending on the cultivar. Obviously some cultivars yeah. are just a little bushier, so they need a little more room, Yeah, but you know, that can be solved with a little bit of training, mm-hmm. but yeah. So what, how do you go about picking like your strains? um or is that something that you guys do collectively as a team like we do it as a team does it like i guess this might be a stupid question but with how specific you are with your soil Mm -hmm. are you that specific with the plants you choose to put into your soil yes and no so like the cultivation facility that i run we've got like stellar genetics and we only got those because of my partner. He was able to, he has relationships that allowed us to attain these things like Mac, Mac one V two. Like that's you, that's a real hard strain to, to find. Um, and a good one at that. Um, uh, cap junkie from capulator and seed junkie. That was a collab. They met cap junkie. You can't find seeds. I don't think Mm -hmm. that's one of those. You got to have the cut and it make sure it's a true cut essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so like my Mac one V two cut that we run, that's Shindig's cut. So that's a good cut. Um, cap junkie is the original cap junkie. Um, Asai Sherbert from Tiki Madman. So like they were things that my partner was able to get on, but in terms of me, like, yes, I'm going to pheno hunt what I want, mm-hmm. you know, like there are some strains that are hard to grow. Like they're not easy. Mm-hmm. You can do it, but they're just a bastard to grow. Like Mac, yeah. any Mac strain, Mac one, the original or Mac one V two. Like they're just slow and veg. They look ugly as heck. Yeah. It's not a keeper plant. But mm-hmm. if you don't know that they pay you back in flower, like I was blown away after the first week. I was like, holy crap. Like this is why people keep this cut. Yeah. You know, like it truly paid off in flower. That's like cool you I got to experience that yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and it's funny because I just was ready to kill it. I was not going to grow it again. I promise you. I yeah. was not. And the I patience was. Patience was rewarded. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and I always knew Mac was a good cultivar. Mac one was a good cultivar. So I was just like, man, there's got to be more to it type of deal. And then my partner said he ended up speaking to someone that grows, has been growing Mac one for a while. And he, told him like hey like it sucks in veg like it was just growing weird and i'm just like man i'm not we're not keeping this yeah um but we held on and i'm glad we did we took i think maybe five cuts of it so we don't have much now but Mm -hmm. now i'm gonna multiply and keep them on but it it was like i hated it but the way we choose strains is more so of like you have to use the industry as well Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying like i'm not gonna grow a strain that nobody wants yeah or nobody knows about yeah. like there's strains that we're going to grow strains like this coming up this next two runs we're going to be growing stuff that the industry doesn't even have cool you know which yeah. and i mean it's just like tomatoes there's freaking millions of varieties mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying people breed plants every single day i've got strains that i bred that i'm working one of my lines now but like it's it's just a lot of work people don't understand how much work goes into breeding and yeah it's not just throwing pollen at a plant and mm-hmm. then taking that offspring and growing it yeah, like it's you got to back cross things to make it stable. Mm-hmm. You Which know, is so crazy. So like it, it's it's just so much moving parts yeah. and like it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. I promise you, and and it sucks because like I have tapped into so many deeper sides of it. Like I mean, my my mentor, really good mentor of mine, I guess you can say, and he is a genetics professor at ORU. He owns the patent 
for 100% eradicating pancreatic and bone cancer cells on a Petri dish with an extract from the mushroom. Hmm, very interesting. Wow. So he put the 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 extract, he put the mycelium or the mushroom, he grows it on an agar plate, puts mm-hmm. it through a spectrometer, basically concentrates it and breaks it into a more available form, essentially, puts it on a Petri dish with cancer cells, and it completely eats all of the cancer cells. Wow. Like 100%. Wow, that's like, amazing. No, yeah, he owns the patent. You can look him up, Dr. Ranahan. Wow. What I, when I picture him, I picture a brain, like the brain emoji, mm-hmm. with legs. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how I look at him. Yeah. Like, that's how smart he is. That's so wow. cool to have a mentor um, like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, now, like, we're doing research with, we're growing CBD in my soil. So, he tried growing CBD in, like, hydroponically okay. and failed. Mm. And he gave up. And he was like, man, I need to, I need to try your stuff because, I mean, you grow it so easy. It yeah. looks nice. So he tried it and he grew it successfully and he was like, wow, like that was pretty easy and mm. it's organic and it's clean and I know it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but what he wants to do is research CBD's effects on those cancer cells because he ha- he now has access. He has a researcher's license. He now has access to cancer cells. You and I can't go and buy cancer cells. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So like that's okay. something that I'm partnering with or you with or with him is is researching the effects now with the mycelium stuff, like he knows that it kills it. So now he has to go to phase two of research and prove that it doesn't kill normal human cells. Cause I can, you know, he can probably get this extract into your body and then it eats your cells. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like now he has to take, he's proven that it, it eradicates the actual problem. Mm-hmm. Now he has to prove that he can put it in the environment of a human or in a human's body and it won't kill a human. And then it'll go to clinical trials and then he can, you know, it'll be administered because then you have to find out how you're going to administer this to patients, Mm -hmm. you know? So like all of that are just multiple phases that has to happen. But yeah, that's, he's a super, super, super amazing guy, but that's, that's, it's crazy. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. If you're ever in the Oklahoma City area, check out Chill Dispensary at 22 Northeast 10th Street. They're good people with hand-washed, single-source, live rosin, flour, pre-rolls, and other solventless products. So go show them some love and enjoy a chill experience. Now, back to the episode. So, Valen, we'd like to ask everyone this question, but what's a stigma surrounding cannabis you would like to see changed? Hmm. That's a tough one. Cause there's like so many yeah like to pick one. Oh boy first thing that pops in your head uh, it's funny soil so- grown cannabis is inferior okay okay soil grown cannabis is inferior break that down so like everybody looks at soil grown or outdoor grown cannabis or sun grown cannabis mm-hmm. as inferior to indoor yes it's kind of like what you're saying kind of like coach and louis mm. coach is good yeah mm-hmm. coach bags are nice yeah coach stuff is exceptional yes but it ain't louis yeah you see what i'm saying yeah mm-hmm. so like that's really the, and if you going back to like comparing my soil like i hate to say this and it's going to sound like i'm bragging but that's the difference like miracle grow isn't bad mm-hmm. the stuff in it are pretty bad could you grow cannabis with it? Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen it done. Okay. I'm not going to try it because yeah. it's going to be a waste of cannabis because I'm not going to consume it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to give it to someone to consume yeah. because I know what was on the label. Right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So like, yeah, that's the stigma, you know, like people just think that cannabis grown, yeah. sun grown or in soil is, is inferior to hydroponic. And, mm-hmm. and then that goes to so many other things, you know, marketing is the biggest thing. Like I don't have a marketing budget of Athena. Mm-hmm. I don't have the marketing budget of Fox Farm. Yeah. Fox Farm is owned by Hawthorne. I don't have Monsanto money. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't put it in people's faces. I yeah, can't go I to you. every single trade show. I can't yeah. give everybody samples. Mm-hmm. I can't do that as a small business. I'll never make it to be. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever want to be that big. 
because it's more money, more problems. Like, I really just don't want to be that <laughs> Like, I, I promise you. People are like, oh, you're crazy. You can be a millionaire. And I'm like, yeah, a millionaire would be cool. Yeah. Like, but, like, do I want that? Right. You know, yeah. like, I mean, if I make $100,000, $150,000 a year after taxes, I am fine. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to make a million dollars in a year. Yeah. Yes. You have to pay taxes on that million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Like, do people understand we that? we live. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, do people really understand people that? People just forget that. It's just yeah, like, like oh. me and my wife, like, we just got bumped up a tax bracket and I'm like, shit, I hate it here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I got two kids. Yeah. Like, really? Like, I literally have two kids. Uh-huh. So my tax returns should be pretty beefy. But yeah. no, like, you know, my wife's a nurse and mm-hmm. I sell soil. Do I make a million dollars a year? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, like, I, that's not my tax bracket. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not living that good. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, if it gets to that one day, then great. Right. But I that's not a goal. Yeah. You know, like that's I respect that. You yeah. know, like that yeah. I could literally I could have told you guys, No, I don't have time for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because some of these podcasts pay people to go on there. Yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? For a lot of people they look at a more marketing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I may have I may gain a customer from this. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I may not gain any customers yeah. from this. Yeah. You know, but I have shared knowledge that have possibly impacted Absolutely. one of you you know or somebody yeah. you know so like that has more value than money yes you know like it, like i said it just goes back to being coin operated like yeah. it's a yeah. piece of paper that we give it value that's right. what money is yeah mm-hmm. literally a piece of paper that we give all the money in the world most of it doesn't even isn't even printed yeah 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 think of that yeah. i know <laughs> literally the value of some of these things that we give yeah. are, it's just so silly and then it's crazy, but yeah. yeah. So like that's that's the biggest thing. It's just I just try not to be coin operated. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the good. biggest thing. Yeah. Well, that's a good. You. I feel like you're very well spoken. Yes. Thank you. For, oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you um, for sharing everything that you've shared with us today. I feel like I've learned a lot. I definitely have learned a lot. There's plenty <laughs> of people listening. Who yeah, and I, I know, can go. So. Like I said, I can go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Um, I think this wraps up today's episode. Yeah. Tom. Thank you so much for no taking problem. time out of My your day pleasure. to be here with us, Valen. You can keep up with Valen on Instagram to see what he's doing at the Soil Guru underscore to follow and learn more be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode and as always brand stay medicated thanks for listening to today's show to check out more great cannabis podcasts go to podconnects.com here's a preview of one of our other shows Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.